0: And I want to make known, no bones about it. I'm going after the hidden demonic activity that is working inside of the churches across America. I'm out to expose, reveal, and to make known the demonic activity that lies hidden in the midst of the church world and it's robbing the church of its spiritual life. We always think of the demonic being out there in the world, but I want to tell you there's, a, there's also demonic presence that tries to move into churches and bring strongholds right in the middle of the congregation. Already I have a segment of people that have tuned me out because just recently a poll came out and over 68% of the population doesn't even believe in demonic possession. 54% of believers do not even believe in the devil and only 57% in the nation actually believe in God. The minute that you mention spirit beings, demons, devils, powers, or principalities, you lose over half of your audience. You lose over half of your population. They tune you out thinking that you're some kind of a spiritual freak or fanatic that hedges on the edge of a person that has serious mental health problems. But on the other hand, the small percentage that does believe in demon possession and oppression, they see a demon in every corner. They're so mixed up, twisted up in their theology, and they know nothing about demonic presence. Right now, they say one of the fastest growing rapid needs in the mission field is to find people who know how to deal with demonic presence, spiritual manifestations, and demon possession. Just the other day, there was an incident that took place on our borders uh, where there was a 200 pound priest that was praying with a young lady. She weighed about 120 pounds uh, and they said this all of a sudden demons begin to manifest out of this little girl and that 200 pound priest didn't know exactly what to do. and he said, you come out of that, out of her and them demons begin to laugh and begin to cuss and and begin to say all kinds of vulgar things and said, you leave this girl alone and that little 220 year old girl picked up that 200 pound man and threw him across the room. Now you can say them things don't happen but I'm here to tell you that there is demonic powers. They're real and we better be paying attention to it because it's becoming a fast thing that's coming into America and we're seeing more and more and more of this taking place. I don't know if you've seen the footage or not but they cast some demons out at the Asbury Revival in Kentucky which is a Methodist university. They said as the manifestations begin people didn't know what to do and finally a little old Pentecostal woman walked across the room and took charge and took care of it. Uh, Hallelujah for people. Come on somebody. Hallelujah for people that are able to take charge uh, of those uh, uh, and they have the power to do something about the demonic powers of this world. Over 17 years ago I looked it up on my sermon. I gave a prophecy out from the Lord over this congregation and they documented it. And this is what it said. Due to the rise of the moral and the spiritual decay of the American culture we will see our wall poured down and the spiritual hedges removed. And we will see a rise of demonic manifestation like those in third world countries. This is happening all over our nation as I speak. There's a rise of demonic activity at such levels that we never even dreamed of. Our problem in America, now hang with me, is uh, this is our problem in defining those demonic powers and identifying them. All demon possessions does not growl like a dog or foam at the mouth like a rabid animal or hiss like a snake. Now some of them do, I've seen that. But while these demons put on shows, there are other demons hiding behind facades not wanting to be noticed or revealed because they want to keep control of where they're at. When parents allow their kids to identify themselves as a cat, that's demonic. Come on somebody, call it for what it is. I'm tired of them making all these different new rules of what kind of sickness or mental health that they have. It's not mental health, it's demonic! When our school systems begin to give hormones to children to help them transgender from one sex to another, with or without the parents' consent, I don't care, it's demonic! Come on, when someone cannot define what a woman is, that is demonic! We're living in a demonic world, and if I'm not careful, I'll go down this path and not get to my intent of what I'm wanting to preach. So I got to get off of that stuff. Let's dissect the scripture for me. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! I'm ready to go. How many's ready to go to battle with me here today? I said, How many's ready to go to battle? How many Pentecosts do I have in
1: this house? Ma feel the boldness of the Holy Ghost. We're going to have victory whether the devil locks it or not. Yeah, victory, victory in Jesus.
0: Now you're shouting now, but I'm about to make some of you mad. I'm about to get right where you live. I'm about to get in your house. Come on, somebody. Let's dissect this scripture for a moment. First of all, what does our text even mean? If one is not careful, they will interpret this passage to actually embrace the doctrine that Christians can be what? Demon-possessed. Before I get any further, that's a lie of the enemy and the farthest thing from the truth. Christians cannot be demon possessed. They may be oppressed, but they cannot be possessed. (laughs) Many have interpreted this to say, due to the house being cleansed, the demon was kicked out. And when he was going out to find rest, he walks in dry places. He decides to return. And here's what they interpret it. And when he returns, he finds it filthy, so he's able to move back in again. That ain't what the scripture says. It says he decided to return back and he finds the house swept and garnished. And then it says, a most interesting thing, he sees it swept and garnished, he goes and gets seven more demons, more wicked than themselves, and he moves back in. Now, is it possible then for demons to enter into a clean house, a garnished house? Does this mean a Christian can be demon-possessed? First of all, the Bible doesn't say the demons was kicked out of the house. It says that he leaves the house. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that this demon just got kicked out of the house because it was cleansed. It doesn't say he was forced to leave, but it says that he left seeking rest. And that is an interesting Greek term. That term that is used here to describe his departure is used as if the demon had free access at any time that he wanted it and he could come and go as he pleased. We just stay there for a while got bound him that he would leave just because one is demon possessed that does not mean that a demon from time to time cannot depart from a, to depart for a short season to do more damage somewhere else into the kingdom of God. There isn't more demons than there is humans. And in order for all humans to be fought and targeted and warred against, there has to be movement in the kingdom of darkness somewhere. And if you ever run across the demon, that means that that demon had to leave somebody in order to get on your back. Come on, somebody. A demonic presence may leave and go and help other demons in other territories and, and to try to oppose the kingdom of God in another place and to try to take down a giant within the faith. I remember when we were on to Cedar and we were having revival man things were happening things were moving it was hot it was dripping and all of a sudden just overnight hell just turned its bucket against us everywhere we turned there was demons and devils and we were fighting and man I mean everything in the world went wrong if anything went, if anything would happen it was always something that was bad something that was just fighting and opposing you all the time and it got so serious I got the men together and we began to pray and we began to intercede seed and we begin to fast and the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is just for a season, Kent. He said the demons are beginning to leave all of the other forces, all the other fortified places that they've had fortified at these churches for years and they've come over because they're trying to stop the revival that I'm pouring out. But while them demons are here, there are others getting rest from those demons. And he said, I'm entrusting you that for just a short season. So I want you to understand these demons are mobile. They come, they go, they shift, they move, they maneuver. They're like chess pieces. They play a game. And they're all about a strategy to come against the child of God to bring them down. Can I have an amen? evidently this unclean spirit felt assured and confident that he could leave the house and not suffer loss or not suffer ground. It was his job to keep that house bound. In the scripture where it says that he left to find rest, it actually means that he was unfulfilled or bored in the Greek. Demons find rest and pleasure when they're making havoc on the kingdom of God. And isn't that where we find rest in Christ's labor? Isn't that where we find fulfillment and we make havoc on the kingdom of darkness? I feel that greatest when I'm punching holes in the darkness come on somebody Matthew in his writings about this story as a word that Luke does not even use in our text Matthew 12 and 44 says, Then he saith, I will return into my house from which I came out, and when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Did you see what he done? He added the word empty to describe this house as well. The word empty in the Greek applies that he left, not having found anything to do, as if he had idle hands, the house was already bound. There was nothing for this demon to accomplish. The house had already been taken over, and it already had surrendered its powers to the powers that would be and in this case, this house was controlled and ruled and empowered by a unclean spirit. Can I have an amen? Then what does it mean that he found the house swept and garnished? This is a hidden deception of the demonic powers that binds more people than anything else within the demonic realm. More people are tricked and bound and deceived and lose their lives over this than any other demonic powers or manifestations. I don't have time to tell, I don't have to tell you that cannibalism is demonic, which is what? The practice of eating other people's human flesh. How many knows that's demonic? Isn't that sick? I don't have to tell you that human sacrifice is demonic. Come on, burning people and sacrificing. We know that's demonic. I don't have to tell you that pedophilia is not a mental issue as they would like for you to believe, but pedophilia is a rot-gut demonic activity that causes people to lust outside of the norms of nature. It is demonic! Come on, somebody. Get on the page with me here today. However, the dark, gloomy, filthy, hideous side of demonic powers is not the only form that they take on. Are you listening to me? Remember what Jesus said in 2 Chronicles eleven fourteen. Marvel not forsaken himself, he is transformed into an angel of light. Listen to what he says in verse 13 of that same chapter, that false apostles, deceitful workers, they transform themselves and put on the appearance of the apostles of Christ. Listen to what they say in verse 15 of that same chapter. They appear one way, but they're another, and they are evil ministers transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. Now, when he used the word swept and garnished, the house appeared to be clean, but yet it was ruled and controlled by an unclean spirit. But had the appearance of being clean. There's different levels of uncleanness. Come on, somebody. I wish I could preach right there for a moment. This spirit would come and go as it pleased. There was no bears, no locks, no no warfare, no fight, nothing to withholding, nothing to withstanding. And the word swept here denotes a brushing but not a cleansing, a shifting of dirt but not a washing. This is the idea that the house was self-cleansed and it did not have the washing of regeneration that can only come by the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in Titus 3 and 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand this, that the Bible literally tells you that that if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many believe that when you come to Jesus Christ that the blood of Jesus Christ washes you from all sin? Not just some sin, not just parts of sin. I want you to understand that this thing this thing, even in the Pentecostal realm of some of the teachings on strongholds it's getting out of line that I know that there are strongholds. I understand what strongholds are. There are parts of our lives where we were raised and some of the things that we had to experience, some of the things that we had to go through that sets up areas where we're more, and more vulnerable to others because of the environment that we were lived in. I I understand that. I understand that you may be tempted more in a certain area than me because of where we were raised and the and the and the environment that we were raised in. I understand the power of influence, the power of demonic activity, the power of hurt and all that kind of stuff. But I'm sick of hearing people always tell Christians, oh, you got this demon that's bothering you, and this demon's inside of you, and, and you're gonna have to be delivered of that thing in order to get free. No, I wanna tell you, when you come to Jesus Christ, you you're free. You're free. You're not hearing me. I want to tell you that kind of a strong hope teaching is wrong. I'm here to declare by the word of the Lord that if you've got a strong hope where a demon's got a hold of you and there's areas in your life that's not yielded to Jesus Christ, then you're not saved. Come on. Is that not right? I'm not partially saved when I come to Jesus. I tell you who the son is set free, he's free indeed. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, wherever the blood of Jesus
1: Christ has been applied, I am free, no demonic has power over me. Oh, I may not feel it, but it ain't what I feel, it's who I am and what I know, I am free. Jesus Christ!
0: Would someone stand here and give God praise that you're saved here today? Yes. Now I know that we've got to deal with strongholds that we're successful to and be alarmed of it and get some teaching over it. But this stuff saying that we got these demonic strongholds. Huh. Not if you're a believer. Matter of fact, the scripture right before this tells me about a strong man. He's got his armor on. He trusts in his armor and as long as his armor is strong and as long as he's all armored up, his goods are safe. But if one comes it's stronger than he is, and comes and takes away his armor that he trusted in, that he steals his goods and he, what? He divides among, he divides the spoil. I wanna tell you what happened over 40 years ago. My life was in shambles. My life was chained up, locked up. You say whatever you wanna say, but we were all without Christ. We were controlled by demonic powers. But one day, that demon that was there that had a stronghold on my life, there was one that was stronger than him that showed up at my door. And that one was the Holy Ghost knocking on my door and the minute I said that he was welcome, he opened the door and he didn't get permission from the stronghold that was in my life. He walked in with bold, God-given authority and he took that old spirit that had control
1: or spirits that had control of my life and he grabbed a hold of them and he ran them out of the house. He set the seal of the Holy Ghost upon my life and I'm here to tell you demons don't have a right to come and go and come and go and come and go. I'm free. some of you are afraid you don't even
0: know it because you've been tricked by a lie I remember the days when I was a little bitty boy and my mama would tell me go take a bath I don't know if you was a little boy that's the thing boys don't like to do I hated to do that and I'd do anything in the world to get out taking that bath but after much persuasion my mama she would tell me to go take a bath, I'd take it. I'd get out and the first thing she'd done, she'd come, she'd she'd, come here. I said, I'm going to get my clothes, come here. I knew what she was going to do. Inspection time. First place she'd do, look behind them ears. Then she'd look down at my feet. Then she'd look under my arms. Then she'd look at my bottom. And then the next thing I know, she'd have me by the ear, She'd be taking me right back to the bathtub and their mama would give me a bath. Can I have an amen? And let me tell you, you haven't had a bath until Glenda Miller would get a hold of you and give you a bath. That woman, I want to tell you, every crack, every cranny, every spot, of dirt, there was no place for dirt to hide anywhere. And if she thought it was there, it, sometimes I think she tried to scrub freckles away. Sometimes hiding hair was gone. When
1: she got done scrubbing you, you were clean. When I came to Calvary, when I gave my heart to the Lord, and when I come out of the blood, there wasn't a spot, there wasn't a cranny, there wasn't a crack where sin was left. I have been washed, I have been cleansed, I'm made whole by the blood of Jesus Christ.
2: Hallelujah.
0: Well, glory. I want to tell you, a man cannot cleanse himself. And this is one of the biggest deceptions and lies that the enemy has made the people believe that they can do it. Self-cleansing is idolatry. We have people all the time make a mistake, they're embarrassed. Instead of coming and run down the altar and fall on the grace of God, they'll work it out. Try to work it through. Come on, somebody, you know I'm talking to you. Self-cleansing is idolatry. Jesus said in John 15 and five, without me, you can do nothing. And when he said nothing, he meant nothing. There are people that have overcome alcoholism with, without Christ through programs. Yeah, they've done it. There are people that overcome certain bondages without Christ, but the problem of it is, look at the statistic, it doesn't last long and there's not very many of them that that happens to. I asked a licensed counselor who had been counseling people for over 25 years at that time. He made six-digit numbers way back there. He worked for the federal government helping mental health people. I asked him, what is the percentage of people that you think that you really help? And your are firm and all your people and all of the counseling you do. He said, oh, we know what it is. We lie about it all the time. We say it's way up there. But he said, what we really help is about .08%, less than 1%. I said, why in the world is the federal government giving all these, this money to your firm and it, there's no help? See, that's just the federal government. The word garnished is a Greek word that means to beautify, having the right arrangement to adorn, to make compellingly attractive, very appealing, inviting, awesome, and gorgeous. Don't that sound like your pastor? There are people that have tried to cleanse themselves and make themselves presentable spiritually. And I'm here to tell you, just like a leopard cannot cleanse its spots and things cannot change their innate nature, neither can we cleanse ourselves. We may sweep our house. We may beautify it. We might rightly arrange it. We might try to make it attractive. We can make it appealing and inviting. It can even look gorgeous and and awesome. But I'm here to tell you, unless the Holy Ghost cleanses you and regenerates you and washes you in the blood of Jesus Christ, you're not clean. We can't put on the facade and think we're okay. We can put on the facade all we want, but when the magnifying glass of God's all-seeing eyes put on it and the light exposes all the bugs are come coming out of, the, out of the woodwork. Jeremiah 13 and 23 says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard take away his spots? Nor can you who are used to doing evil start turning around and doing good. You can't just, all oh, right, I'm gonna change today. I'm gonna make up my mind, power, of the mind over matter, I'm gonna do it. Turn over a new leaf, mustered up human willpower, trust in the arm of flesh, will never suffice. Are you listening to me? Planning, scheming, plotting, thinking, trying to work it out in ourselves, gets us in more trouble than what we ever can imagine. Without falling at the mercy of God and crying out, wash me and cleanse me in your presence, brings disastrous results. It opens up the door to demonic working. Folks, I'm telling you the truth. Listen to what Jesus said to the religious Pharisees. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within you're full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, you religious bunch, cleanse first that which is within the cup. Cleanse that which is within the cup and the platter that the outside of them may be also clean. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like unto white sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are within full of dead men's bones of uncleanness. He said they were religious, but they weren't righteous. They appeared clean, but they were corrupt, moral, but not pure, good, but not holy. Without holiness, no man should see God. They were full of dead men's bones. How many knows there's a difference between being good and being holy? How many knows there's a difference between being morally upright and holy? Can I have an amen? They appeared to be righteous on the outside, but inwardly they were defiled. They were dead. The demons could come and go as they pleased, controlling their own house, controlling their own temple, and they being even unaware that the demons even exist. They looked the part, they acted the part, they played the part, but the problem was the house had an unclean spirit dwelling in it. Oh, they appeared clean. They made a loud presentation and confession that they had a clean house, but the problem was there was no fruit. The house was empty. There are no fruit of their holiness. Can I have an amen? Notice what the spirit said after walking around seeking rest. I will turn and I will go back to my house. Did you hear that? The house doesn't have the blood of Christ applied to it because the demon called it his house. He was in control of it. The house is empty. There's no challenge. There's no fight. There's no warfare, no spiritual wrestling, no struggle. Just day-to-day living. There's no prayer, there's no intercessory in this house, no supplication, just good moral living, and they tidy and they keep a neat house, they keep a well-kept house, they keep a well-groomed house, but the problem of it is it's empty, it's dead, and it's controlled by a demon. Ouch! The house is organized. It's not disarrayed like you would think with demonic activity. I want to tell you, everybody talks about how unorganized demon demons are. I want to tell you, the dark domain is more organized than the church is. Amen? The house is organized. It's in order and well kept. But the problem is it's controlled by an unclean spirit. The unclean spirit is hid by his presentation. It looks clean. It's even convinced the owner of the house, the the owner of the temple, that they are clean. And I'm here to tell you, all demons does not come from the from the drug houses and the poor neighborhoods and the bars and the taverns. All demons does it come from the filthy houses where there's garbage and roaches and bed bugs and maggots and fleas and the stench of old horrible odor. Oh, they come from areas like that. But there's some demons that live in the upper rooms of Manhattan and the upper elite of Hollywood and in the mansions and the wealthy neighborhoods of your city and the White House, I mean, I mean excuse me. They live in the cuddle sacks of the gated communities. It isn't just the filthy, dirty, smelly people that have demons on them, but they dwell among those that put on the top name apparel and wear the best of suits they carry the top name purses and drive the most expensive cars. They set up on good moral people, people that is known in the community, leaders of the community, heads of states. I knew a prominent farmer when I was a little boy and everybody in the world just loved him. He had, a oh, one of the most highest names of honor in our community that, anybody could have, he would come in and he'd always pick us kids up and play with us and, and just love on us and give us money and candy and whatever we wanted and come to find out, didn't know it, but several years later, the different kids that would go hunting and fishing and go do things with him. I'd went on a few trips, but nothing ever happened, thank God, but over all those years, he was molesting boys. But you look at him, you think he was one of the most honest, upright men that you'd ever seen in your life. He didn't growl like a dog. He didn't foam at the
1: mouth. He didn't hiss like a snake. But inside, there was a driving demon that he could not say no to. And it compelled him to reach out and to do something that he and his human flesh, if he was in his right mind, would have never done. It was a control of a demonic spirit of lust. And he
0: molested children. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to set some people free here today. You can try to play the part, look the part, act the part, dress the part. You can try to tidy up, try to make all things appear to be good and be in order. You can smile, act like, hey, pastor, nothing's wrong. You can try to work it out, figure it out, plan it out. You can try to even put a plan in motion. But until man comes to God with a broken and a contrite spirit, He's wasting his time putting on the facade and he's in danger of a demonic visitation. I'm preaching truth. This man's house that is empty will not survive. When you're void of worship, when you're void of a Bible study and devotion, when you're void of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have nothing to ward the enemy off with. Even if one can muster up enough willpower, to overcome maybe alcoholism or something like that in a certain bondage. Without the seal of the Holy Ghost and the power of the anointing of God, your house will not stand. Your house has to be built upon a rock and not on the seeking sand. Can I have an amen? We have to have his presence. It can't be one bath in a lifetime and everything's okay. You see those kinds of people. They get saved in an altar, you never see them at an altar again. They got it together. They don't need it. Come on. We have too much carnage of warfare. We have too many battle scars. We have too much wounded emotions. We have too much fleshly wounds to not think that we don't need the presence of God on a regular basis. Think about the men that go to war and they come back and they're all twisted in their minds. You see it all the time. We got all kinds of people that are on disability of our veterans because of the things that they've seen in war. I feel sorry for them the things they watched, things they heard, the things they seen. It's horrible. Think about David and Saul. You know, sometimes I think that we need to put a rating on the, on the uh, Bible, put R restricted because there's some stuff in there when you read it. Heads being cut off, guts being spilled out on the ground. Come on. We won't watch gun smoke because it's too violent. We'll read the word of God. And woo! Amen. You find them, David and them taking swords and torturing people and they they hear the screams, the yells of human hurt and pain and suffering. Don't you know there was some carnage in David's life? They heard the screams of torture, the cries of pain, the yells of fear upon the human races. We battle, we war against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Don't think for a minute that carnage doesn't affect us as well the things we experience, the things that we've heard, the things we've seen, the hurt, the wounds, the pain, the violations, the injustices that's happened to us as a Christian. Yes, we get hurt, we get wounded. Yes, things happen to us. We have to stay in his presence or we won't survive. It is the strong man Jesus Christ that protects our house. And when his hedge is lifted off of us and his presence is withdrawn, the demonic spirit that has held us captive in our past, he will come out and he'll find it empty. And you know what will happen? He will move in and he will bring seven other demons worse than the first. And the last state of our lives will be worse than the first state before we were ever even saved. Some of you that have gotten saved but prior to salvation, you had an alcoholic problem. You know what this scripture says? If you lose your hedge of protection... If you lose your seal of the Holy Spirit and that strong man Jesus is no longer watching over your house, there'll come a time that demon will come by and say, "Uh uh-oh, the house is empty. And that demon, when he comes in, you think you had an alcohol problem the first time, you ain't seen nothing yet, honey. You had a lust problem when you was a boy looking at pornography. You had a lust problem when you was a girl After boys, you floated around with stuff you shouldn't have floated around with and God come and cleansed you. If you let your heads go away and you let that demon come back, he's gonna bring seven other more vile demons in himself and you think that you were bad before you were saved, you ain't seen nothing yet, honey. Come on. That's just how serious this is. Those of you that are playing around, those of you that haven't had a bath in years, those of you that haven't been in an altar in years, Those of you that haven't felt the felt presence, the tangible presence of God come upon your life, those of you that have taken the grace of God for granted, I'm giving you a solemn warning as a pastor. The demonics are gonna take over your house if you're not careful, and your house is gonna crash and burn. We're down to the wire, and people all over this nation is finding themselves crashing and burning. Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many is gonna wax cold. He also said many are gonna depart from the faith because of seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's the seducing spirits, there's the doctrines of devils that people don't believe in. We ought to be, be like David on a regular basis when he said in Psalms 51, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and hold me with thy free spirit. David cries again in Psalms 57, or verse 5, verse 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. If David, a man after God's own heart, had to pray these kinds of prayer, how much more do you and I have to pray it? Folks, this is a time to be playing around. In the last days, God's spirit's going to be poured out upon all flesh. But at the very same time, there's going to be an unleashing of hell like never before because the Bible says Satan knows he has but a short time to deceive. Demonic powers is on the rise, and if we don't yield ourselves over to God and keep ourselves yielded, those things that was once delivered from, they're going to come back with a vengeance. Oh. I feel the Holy Spirit here today. I'd like for you to stand with me. If you're saved here today, you're cleansed. Oh, you may war. You may be tempted. You may be tried. You may be fought. You may be oppressed. Of course you're going to be. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have a demon coming in and out of your life even as he pleases. If that's the case, then you're not saved. You've given away and you've allowed the hedge of protection to be removed. I can go home tonight and I can lay my head no matter what happens here in the United States. If an atomic bomb hits in California tomorrow and we wake up with that kind of a news, I'm going to be saddened, I'm going to be concerned, but I'm not going to live in fear. Why? Because I know who the strong man is that's watching over my house. I am confident of this very thing that Kent Miller is not self-sufficient. I am confident of this very thing that I'm not who I am by who, by who I am. I'm not here because I am a talented man. I'm not here because I got great giftedness. I'm not standing in the position that I'm standing in today because of some kind of spiritual powers that are human powers that I have built inside of me. I stand before you today of who I am because Jesus Christ sits upon the throne of my heart and he is the one that works his life through me. Can I have an amen? I'm just concerned that sometimes we just live our lives, no devotions. No family time to where we even take and read the Bible together. No real time with our children trying to disciple them. No real word structure. No real prayer structure. No real faithful church attendance. We pay tithes half the time. We just kind of float around and try to do the spiritual things that we know to do and kind of, you know, walk in this lukewarm state and yet put on the outward appearance as if we're Christian, we're happy, everything's cool, everything's great, not knowing that we got a demonic just coming into our house. And every time that we try to make a step forward, he grabs a hold of us. He'll bind that house and we'll live for years being controlled by a spirit that's unclean Not knowing, all along, that he comes and goes as he free wishes. Comes and goes because we're self-sufficient. One of the seven influences that the children of Israel had to overcome in order to go into the promised land was the Zidonians. And you know what their work, what their name meant: the trust in the works of their own hands. That's just as evil as the other spirits that we trust in ourselves and our sufficiencies. Come on. We don't drink. We pay our bills. We're moral people. That's wonderful. But are we a Christian? Is Christ rule the heart? This is a hard message this morning. It ain't what I picked. I wrestled all the last two weeks with this thing. We just come out of Six deaths. I've done four of the funerals. We'll do one of them again tomorrow. I thought, well, Jenny said, won't you preach on heaven and encourage the people? I said, oh, Lord, here I'm going to preach on an unclean spirit. It's a warning. We're living in the last days. God's wanting to send revival, but we can't work it out. We can't figure it out. We can't, we can't go around here thinking, well, I'll. I'll I'll be like a pawn on a chess board and I'll I'll play the game. It's got to be a life of surrenderance, guys. Jesus, your Lord. Jesus will be Lord of all or he will be the Lord of nothing. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours. With every eye closed and every head bowed, please. If you just need to touch this morning, don't mean you're backsliding. Oh, but we need to stay in his presence. We got to have his presence, folks. We're not too good to come to an altar and sing and say, oh, God, refresh me. So when the evil spirits come and looking, they're going to find you still sitting as the stronghold of my house. You're the strong man that protects me. You're the one that sets and rules over my heart. I'm going to ask you this morning, would you come and spend a little time before the throne and be like David and say, oh God, just give me a bath. Let God give you a bath spiritually like my mama used to physically. Just, I mean, pour it on you. Just pour it on you. You don't, you don't want a demon controlling you. Would you come? Right now, folks, would you come? Just say, I want revival. I want revival. Oh, Holy Spirit. And I I need some prayer warriors to help pray for some of these that's coming, they're burdened. They're in a warfare for their lives. Hallelujah. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit. Give me my altar workers fast, please. There's people, I see it upon them. They need a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. Revival's about to hit this place and God's straightening us up. God, revive us. Breathe on us. Breathe on your people today. Breathe upon your people. Be the stronghold. Be the strong man of their lives. Come and sit upon the throne of their hearts. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, minister. Oh, God, minister. Oh, God, we can't do it without your presence. We can't do it without your your tangible felt presence in our lives. We have to have your encouragement, your affirmation. We have to have you bear witness of our spirit that we are the children of God. We have to have that confidence, oh God. Oh, move upon us now. Folks, there are people that ain't come that need to come. Would you pray with me? Their lives are held in the balance. Oh God, help us right now. Help us right now, Lord. Take us and cleanse us and make us whole. Purify yourselves, a people, in the name of Jesus. Oh.
2: If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. And if you're trying to feel the same old There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's the pain taker If you feel lost He's the way maker If you need freedom Or saving He's a prison-shaking savior if you've got chains. He's a chain-breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out by the same old vine. We've all run for things Well, there's a better life. There's a better life. Well, if you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. You got change he's a chain breaker if you believe it if you receive it if you can feel it somebody testify testify if you believe it if you receive it
3: You've been hearing the same old voice Tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill The same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost saving, He's a prison-shaking Savior. If you've got James, He's a chain breaker. We all search for the light of day in the dead of night. We all find ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. Well, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom for saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got change, Breaker. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you need freedom, He's he's a prison-shaking
0: Savior. He's got he's a chain breaker. Do I got anybody in the house that believes in freedom? I said, do I have anybody in the house that believes in freedom? Do I have anybody that will agree that revival starts now, this very minute? Now they have somebody that'll magnify the Lord with the highest praise. Come on, give him the highest praise this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you. Hallelujah. You know what I love about the palace? Is that the enemy can only stand afore us because we have the strong man Jesus Christ watching over us. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you. Come out tonight. I know you're going to be blessed in Jesus' name. God bless you.